God, thank you so much that you bring us goodness and light. You bring us goodness and light. In a season where right now, maybe some people in this room who feel the opposite of goodness, they're going through something. Remind us you bring us goodness. There's some people in this room who maybe they feel like they're in a dark spot right now. They're feeling the darkness close in. Remind us you bring light. Here and now, in this moment, I pray we feel and see that goodness and light today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and take your seat. Give it up one more time for our worship team. Come on. I feel like I make this announcement quite often, but if you play an instrument, guitar, electric guitar, bass, triangle, you can sing any of it. Man, we'd love to have you join our team. And I wonder, uh, is anybody here hard of hearing? And wives, don't, don't accuse your husbands. He's just ignoring you, okay? I'm, I'm, but is anybody here hard of hearing? Or how about this? Have you ever um, had one of those hearing tests done where they take uh, those headphones from like the 1960s and they, and they put it on you and then they play these beeps and tones and whistles and you got to like raise your hand based on, on where it is? Have you ever had one of those tests done? Yeah? Yeah? Me too. Me too. I, just, I wasn't going anywhere with that. I was just wondering if you had it done. Um, you know, I, I once heard this story uh, of this guy who's a Native American guy. Him and his friend, they were in downtown Norfolk, uh, not Norfolk, downtown New York City, uh, right at the intersection of West 56th Street and Broadway. And it was a busy intersection, noisy, just traffic going by, cars honking, there's construction going on, people walking all over the place. It was just a, a really loud place. And this guy who, who's a Native American, he said, he stopped and he talked to his friend. He said, hey, do you hear that cricket? He said, I don't hear a cricket. What are you talking about? He said, no, I hear a cricket. There's a cricket right over there. And like I said, there's no way there's a cricket over there. There's no way you can hear a cricket. I don't hear a cricket. He said, no, there's a cricket right over there. He said, how do you know? He said, well, let's go take a look. And so they walked about 30 feet across the street over to this cement planter. And the Native American, he moved the the leaves aside, and right there, sure enough, in the planter was a cricket. And his friend saw that. He said, oh, my goodness, you have superhuman hearing. There's no way that you heard that unless you have superhuman hearing. And the guy said, I don't have superhuman hearing. You just hear what's important to you. He said, I don't know about that. He said, you've got to have superhuman hearing because there was no way I heard that. He said, no, it's, it's, it's for real. You, you just hear what's important to you. He said, here's what I mean. And he took out a handful of change, and then he dropped it right there on the street in this busy New York intersection, construction, cars, people going by. And when he dropped that, about a dozen people within 30 feet of them stopped and started looking around on the ground to see if what they had dropped was their change. And he said, see, I told you, you hear what's important to you. We're in the midst of the series called Share Christmas, and uh, it's all about this song that we just sang, uh, Do You Hear What I Hear? And uh, I love this song because uh, it has these repeating stanzas where it's asking several different questions. It, it asks the question, do you see what I see? And then do you hear what I hear? And then the final question that it asks is, do you know what I know? And what we're doing in the series is we're exploring each of these different stanzas, and we're asking these questions. Last week, we asked the question, do you see what I see? 
next week or this Saturday on Christmas Eve, we're going to ask the question, do you know what I know? And I'm pumped for Christmas Eve. We're going to meet Saturday morning, 945 to 1045. Christmas is one of the best times for you to get people to come to church who don't come to church. So I hope you don't come alone. And I hope you don't uh, say, well, I'll just tune in online. Don't do that because we got problems with our live stream every once in a while. And if you thought, I'm going to tune in online today, you wouldn't be watching it because we got a problem with it, right? So it's a good thing that you showed up, that you got in the room, okay? And by the way, because we're having problems with that stuff like that, if you're like, hey, I can help out with that, we'd love to have you serve with us and help us out because we're a brand new church still trying to figure this out. And when you use your gifts to make a difference, it makes us better. Anyway, Christmas Eve, make sure you get here and make sure you don't come alone. You may look around and you say, well, is there room for enough people? Oh, yeah, there's plenty of room. We have more seats than this. We just didn't set them all out. So we got tons of seats to get filled. So make sure that you're here next week because I'm going to preach from the question, do you know what I know? But today I want to preach from this question, do you hear what I hear? And that's the title from my sermon. So if you're taking notes, would you go ahead and type that in your notes app? Uh, If you're not taking notes, go ahead and type that in your notes app. Uh, Do you hear... What I hear. And here's the stanza from the song that really talks about this, this question, do you hear what I hear? It, it goes like this. Said the little lamb to the shepherd boy, do you hear what I hear? Ringing through the sky, shepherd boy, do you hear what I hear? A song, a song high above the trees with a voice as big as the sea, with a voice as big as the sea. Now this Song doesn't draw from the scriptural account of what actually happened. It's just kind of like this make believe. You getting my change? What? Okay, thank you. This song isn't an actual account of um, what happens in the scriptures, but it's like kind of a make believe. Maybe this could have happened. But I want to show you what actually happens in the scriptures in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. This is the account of the birth of Jesus. It says this In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. And by the way, I love that Luke includes these details in here because people who would have read this would have been like, oh yeah, I remember when that happened. So what we find is that we're reading real events. This isn't some make-believe story. This actually happened in history. And he says this, verse 4, So Joseph... Also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. And a manger essentially was a feeding trough. That's where uh, animals would feed from. So she has this newborn baby fresh from the womb. She wraps him in cloths and places him in this dirty, nasty, disgusting manger because they don't have uh, a room to stay in. And this is the only place that they can find. So the Savior of the world is born and placed in a feeding trough. There was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds, shepherds, shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today 
In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be assigned to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, like you do. I mean, it's not an everyday occurrence. So that's a sign for them. So suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see, do you see what I see? Let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. Do you hear what I hear? So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was born lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, do you see what I see? They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it, do you hear what I hear, were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard. Do you hear what I hear? And seen, do you see what I see? Which were just as they had been told. Do you hear what I hear? What we see here in this writing from Luke is that there's a group of shepherds and they're keeping watch of their flock. And uh, out of nowhere, this angel shows up and they're terrified, as you would be, uh, if in the middle of nowhere, this bright, shining being showed up in front of you and started talking to you. And so the angel shows up and tells them about the birth of the Savior of the world. And the shepherds hear this. And because they hear that, they go to see what is told to them. They show up and they see the Savior born in a manger. And they're excited about that. And they leave praising God and glorifying him. And then, because of what they heard and went and saw, they go tell other people about what they saw. So they're spreading the word. They're telling others. And I love it that Luke lets us know who the first audience is that the angel shows up to. It's shepherds. Shepherds. And I talked about this last week, uh, about why this is so fascinating to me. Uh, and I just want to recap today. The, the reason why Luke shows up, or the, the angel shows up to shepherds is because shepherds were God's target audience. The, the shepherds were lowly in society. They were the outcasts. People saw shepherds as scoundrels, as thieves. They were looked down upon. And the angel chooses to show up to the shepherds because they are God's target audience. And what God is doing and showing up to the shepherds first is he's sending you and I a message that I've come for the outcasts. I've come for the down and out. I've come for the people who don't have it all together. And if God shows up to the shepherds first and foremost, he's letting us know, hey, anybody else, I'm here for you too. And then God demonstrates it even further that he comes for the lowly by allowing himself to be born in a lowly place, placed in a manger. The son of God, God himself, wrapped in flesh, born of a virgin and then placed in a feeding trough. He demonstrates that to let us know that he cares for us. He loves us. He's called us and he stoops down from the throne of heaven to look at you and I. People who don't have it all together. People who have shame and regret and hurt and brokenness. He looks us in the eye just like he looks at the shepherds. And he says, I love you. And I've called you and I have a savior for you to see. And so this is the message that God sends us when he shows up 
to the shepherds. So he shows up to the shepherds first and foremost because they're his target audience. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Here's the other reason why God uh, chooses the angel to show up to the shepherds. They were keeping watch over their flocks at night. God shows up to the shepherds because they're his target audience. The down and out, the lowly, the outcasts, the people who are looked down upon, the people who don't have it all together, you and I, to let us know, hey, I love you too. But he also shows up to the shepherds because they're keeping watch. And, and, and last week, we talked about how they had their eyes open. They're keeping watch. They're ready to see what God wants them to see. But keeping watch isn't just with their eyes. They're, they're looking out over their flocks, over the, the light of the night sky, but they're also listening because it's hard to see in the dark. And they're listening for potential predators. They're listening for wolves. They're listening for some animal to come and carry off the sheep. They're listening to hear if any of their sheep are in trouble or turmoil or needs help. And so these shepherds are ready. They're aware. They're listening. And so they're ready. And so God has the angels show up to the shepherds because they are listening and ready, and we hear what's important to us. I wonder if this Christmas season, if you've positioned yourself in a place to be able to hear what God wants to say to you, because the truth is, God is speaking to you. The question is, will you hear him? That's up to you. You got to position yourself in a place to be able to hear him, and you've taken a step by showing up today. You position yourself in a place to hear him. I hope on Christmas Eve, you'll position yourself in a place to hear from God by showing up. Don't, don't, don't celebrate the season and miss the Savior. Don't get excited about the season and then not be in God's house. Like, this is the season to position yourself in a place where you can hear him. I got somebody with me. All right. So he shows up and he announces this announcement because they're God's target audience and also they're keeping watch. They want to hear what God has to say to them. I wonder if Christmas past, years and years and years have gone by, and God has been trying to say something to you, but you haven't heard him because you've been focused on the presence. You've been focused on the family. You've been focused on trying to be a good person, and God is trying to say something to you this season. My hope is you'll hear him, and it all begins with hearing because the shepherds hear what the angel says. Then they go and see what he talked about, the Savior in the manger. And then they knew something that transformed their lives. We're going to talk about that one on Saturday. But it all begins with hearing, 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 hearing. You know, there was this one time that Jesus was uh, preaching to an audience just like this. And uh, he tells this story uh, that's found in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 4, verse 1. I want to, I want to take a look at this, this story because this story is all about hearing. Mark 4, 1, it says this. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. And the crowd that gathered around him was so large, he got into a boat and he said it, he said it, he sat in it out on the lake while the people were along the shore at the water's edge. And he taught them many things by parables. A parable is just a, a story. So he's telling them this story. And in his teaching, he said this, listen, do you hear what I hear? Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds went out. Uh, came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. 
Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they didn't bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. And when Jesus said this, he said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Do you hear what I hear? And when he was alone, the 12, his followers, his friends, his disciples, and the others around him asked him about the parables. And then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Now, don't feel bad because I wouldn't understand it either, except for Jesus goes on to explain what happens, right? So if you don't understand it, you're in good company because I don't think anybody would have unless he explained it. And then he goes on to explain it. Verse 14, the farmer sows the word. And so Jesus says, okay, this parable correlates to something else. There's a farmer and he's, he's sowing seed. And as he's scattering seed, that's what he's doing. He's just taking handfuls of seed and he's throwing it out. And it lands on various types of soil. And so he's scattering this seed. He doesn't go and, and carefully plant it. He's just throwing it out. And he says that the seed represents God's word. So the good news that there's a savior born to us, that salvation is available to you, that you are not your worst mistake, but God sees past that. He's sharing this good news. So he's scattering it out on all kinds of different soil. And here's the question that I want to ask you. If you've received the good news of God, if you've said yes to him, if you've become a Christian, you've been baptized into him, you've been following God, the question I want to ask you is like the farmer, are you so generous in your scattering of God's good word? Or do you keep it to yourself? See, the, the farmer is going out, and he's just spreading the good news of God. And so it's landing all over the place. If people are nearby, it's getting on them. And he's just scattering this seed. I wonder, in the way that you live, do you scatter the seed of God, the good news of God, or do you just keep it to yourself? See, we've been called to scatter the good news of God, to just throw it at people. Ah, take that. I mean, not in that way, but, you know. Hit him in the face with it. Take that. God loves you. Pow. No, but I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. I wonder if somebody, if you're a Christian today, and somebody found out you're a Christian, would they be surprised? Really? Johnny? No, are you kidding me? I'd have no idea. Or would they know? Not just because you share, man, this is what God's doing in my life. Oh, man, this, this is some of the struggles that I'm facing. This is some of whatever, and, and I don't have it all together, but I keep going back to God, and he's changing me. Or as the church this past Sunday, here's what I learned, and here's what I'm trying to work on. And, like, because they hear your conversation, do they know that you're a Christian, but then also because they look at your life, do they know by the way you live? So the farmer, he's sowing this seed, and he's just scattering it all over the place, sharing God's good news. Um, and then he says that some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And again, I want to I make sure that we're on the same page here. The seed that's scattered is God's word. There's nothing wrong with God's word. It's going to grow. Inside God's word is the potential for growth, but it lands on different types of soil. And the different types of soil is different types of people. The different types of soil, digging in even more, is the heart of a person. It says that there's some people, their heart is so hard. 
like a well-worn path. It's just hard, and there's no way for God's word to get deep down inside. And so they hear God's word, but they don't do anything with it. They don't allow it to get planted and rooted in their life. And so what happens is Satan comes, and he scoops it up, and it doesn't make a difference in their life. This is a person who shows up to church, hears a sermon, and then walks out and doesn't do anything with what they're hearing. He said, there are those people. And then he goes on to explain some more in this parable. He said, others are like seeds sown on rocky places. They hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. These are the people who hear God's word and they get really excited about it. Oh my goodness, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. They show up to church. Hey, this is my first day. Where can I serve? I want to get involved in a group. I want to get baptized. I'm going to go start a homeless ministry. This is amazing. And then, three months later, they stop showing up. And it's like, whatever happened to Sarah? I don't I don't know. I mean, four different people called her eight different times, leaving messages. She never got back. We have no idea. They just drop off the face of the earth, and it's like, wait, weren't they going to go start a homeless ministry? Weren't they going to go be a missionary somewhere? Like, well, well this is, they were going to start serving. Whatever happened to them? What happened is they got really excited, and then tough times came. And because they were relying on feelings and not faith, and those feelings faded, they faded as well. And this happens. That happens in this church. It happens in other churches. It happens with people. We get excited, but then those feelings fade, and so do we. And so this is another type of person. Jesus says, still others are like seeds sown among thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. These are the people who make their faith part of their life. These are the people who strive to make Jesus number one in their life. And Jesus is really important to me. And I want to make him number one. And I do my best to keep him number one in my life. But I got some other priorities too. I got some other worries. I got some other things that I got to do too. And so these are the people who try to fit Jesus into their life. And he's a part of my life. But because I got these other worries and these other things going on, I mean, <laughs> Jesus isn't, they get choked out. And so they'll show up when they can, they'll get involved when they can, they'll read God's word if, if I remember, if I pull it up on the app, I might. These are the people who try to make Jesus number one. And can I just, just encourage you, please don't make Jesus number one in your life. Because after that number one, there's, there's a number two and a number three and a number four and all these things are going to be vying for your attention. And they're going to be scratching and clawing to become number one. And if you try to make Jesus number one in your life, eventually he's going to slip down to number two or three or four and these other things are going to get in in. in like in that number one position, if it's your family or your work or whatever it is. So one of the worst things that you can do is try to make Jesus number one in your life. Instead, can I just encourage you to make him center? Just make him the central aspect of your life. Because if you put Jesus 
front and center, then everything else revolves around him. Your entire life then begins to revolve around him. Your work, your family, your aspirations, your finances, your dreams. When you make Jesus central in your life, there is no competition. Everything else bows down to him and you build your life where he is central. Number one, there's always this competition. Ah, I gotta try and I, and then you live in guilt and shame and ah, I'm really trying and just make him the center of your life. But there are some people, just like seed sown in thorny soil, they grow up but they get choked out by the worries of this life and the desires of other things come and they don't bear the fruit like they could or should. And he said, others, others are like seeds sown in good soil. They hear the word, they accept it, and they produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. And these are people who hear God's word, and they allow it to get planted in their life, and they don't just hear it, but they do it, and they work it. Because how many of you know that in order for you to grow something, you got to work the soil? you got to work it. See, in order for the seed to grow and bear some fruit, you got to work the soil. you got to go out and till the soil. you got to water the seed. you got to pull the weeds. It requires work to see the word produce growth in your life. And so there are some who hear God's word and they say, you know what? I'm going to show up on Sundays. I'm going to take notes. You are taking notes, aren't you? Come on, come on, type in. I'm going to take notes. I'm going to take time to wake up early. I'm going to read God's word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to put in the work and the effort to see growth in my life. If you're not putting in the work and the effort to see growth in your life, don't be surprised when you don't see growth in your life. Sometimes we overexpect in an area we underdevelop you got to put some work into it in order to see the growth. And when you do that, you allow God's word to get planted in your life, and you start living it. And you say, God, your word is going to shape the way that I do relationships. Your word is going to shape the way that I do finances. Your word is going to shape the way that I look at my job. Your, way is gonna shape, your word is going to shape the way that I, I, I operate in my family. When you start letting God's word take Precedent in your, precedence in your life and lead the way you live, you'll begin to see the growth spark from that. You'll start to see the growth and you'll start to see the fruit of love in your life, the fruit of joy in your life. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control begin to sprout up in your life because you're working God's word. You can't just show up and hope that it happens. You got to put some work in. You got to do what it says. And so Jesus said there's those kinds of people as well. And here's what I find so fascinating. God's word has the potential for growth. When the seed doesn't sprout up and grow on the path, it's not the seed's fault. It's not that God's word doesn't work. When the, the seed sprouts up and gets withered away, on the rocky soil, it's not the seed's fault. It's not God's word's fault. When the seed grows in the thorny soil and doesn't produce any fruit, it, that wasn't a bad seed. It's not the seed's fault. This, the seed is going to grow. Depending on the soil that it's in. And so if God's word is not working in your life, there's, there's two conclusions to come to. Either he's lying or I'm wrong. And God's not a liar. 
See, what fascinates me is this. There are different types of soil in this parable, and the soil correlates to you and I, our heart. And the amazing thing is this. You and I are going to be one of these types of soil, and the great thing is we get to choose which type of soil we'll be. It's not destined for you to be the path. It's not fated for you to be the rocky soil or the thorny soil. No, you can choose to be the good soil. It's all up to you. And that choice is a daily choice that you have to make every single day. God, I want to wake up and I want to be good soil. I want to hear your word. I want to put it into practice. I want to do it. God, today there's all these things that are, that are coming at me that I want to worry about, but I'm going to put your kingdom first and trust in you and allow you to guide me. That's how you be the good soil and not the thorny soil. You say, God, I'm so excited about this, but I'm going to continue to do the work required and not just rely on my feelings so that I don't be the rocky soil. It's up to you. You have the choice on what type of soil you'll get to be. And I don't know about you, but I want to be the good soil. I want to produce fruit in my life. I want for my kids to look at me and say, Dad, I want to be a dad like you one day. Dad, I want to marry somebody like you one day. I want for my wife to say, thank God I'm married to you. I want to be the kind of person where the people in my life who God has entrusted to me would look at me and say, I am so glad that you're my dad, you're my husband, that I know you, you're my friend. That happens when I decide to be good soil. The same is true for you. So what kind of soil are you going to be? And again, it all begins with hearing. Hearing God's word and then doing something with it. Do you hear what I hear? Because if you just hear it and let it fall on deaf ears, it's not going to produce fruit. You got to put it into practice. So I want to ask you, do you hear what I hear this Christmas season? Do you hear what I hear this Christmas season? Because here's what I hear. I hear the announcement that the angels made to the shepherds that day. Luke 2.10. But the angels said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. Here's what I hear, that a Savior is born. A Savior who came to take away the sin of the world. A Savior who lived a perfect life, a life you and I can't live, ultimately to die the death that we deserve. So you don't have to live in that shame anymore. You don't have to live in that regret anymore. You don't have to live in those mistakes anymore. But you can live in his strength and his peace that he provides. Do you hear what I hear? That's the announcement that the angels came to bring. What I hear are the words of Isaiah that he wrote in Isaiah chapter 40. Starting in verse 1, I said, comfort, comfort my people. Oh, comfort. Don't you need some comfort? Comfort. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins, a voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight 
in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I hear the proclamation of Isaiah as he says, God has come to bring comfort to the hard press, that he's paid for your sin. So you no longer have to keep living like you're living. You no longer have to live in the debt of sin, feeling like you got to be good enough to get God on your side. He's already paid for it. He's already taken it out for you. I hear a voice calling out saying, remove every obstacle that stands in the way of you coming to God. Raise up every valley. Lower every mountain. Make the ground level so that nothing stands in the way between you and God. But come to him and be saved today. I hear it this morning. So I ask you, do you hear what I hear? Because God is calling to you saying, yes, even you can come to me because I showed up for the shepherds and I'm showing up for you. I hear the words of God penned in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. I heard you. I heard you. Don't you know that God hears you and he sees you? And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Today, today, Today is the day of salvation. If you've never said yes to Jesus, you said, Jesus, I believe you died for me on the cross. You rose again from the dead, and I want to be baptized into you. If you've never made that decision, I'm not talking about your parents made that decision for you. I'm not talking about you got baptized when you were six years old because everybody in the church was doing it. I'm talking about you made the decision to say yes to Jesus. If you've never done that, today is the day of salvation. This is what it says. This is what I hear. Maybe you've heard echoes and whispers of salvation before. God pulling on you, tugging on you. But my prayer for you today is that you would hear the voice of God calling loud and clear and letting you know that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day for you to respond. Not to put it off any longer like you have been. Well, I'll make a decision next week. I'll make a decision when I get all my questions answered. I'll make a decision when I'm ready. Today is the day of salvation. If you've never made the decision, today is the day. So I want to ask you, do you hear him calling out saying no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what's in your life in this moment, I love you and I accept you and I call you by name and I have a plan and a purpose for your life. I came for you and I showed my love on the cross. I showed my love when I went to the cross and I don't love you this much and I don't love you this much but I love you this much to take your sin on me to forgive you. Today is the day of salvation and if you've never said yes to Jesus today's the day. Here and now because you can celebrate this season. But if you don't say yes to him, you missed it. You missed it. So I want to ask you, have you ever said yes to Jesus? Not just Jesus, I believe in you, okay. Said a prayer and I, I'm talking about have you, have you come to a point in your life where you've said, Jesus, I believe that you died for me on the cross. And because of that, I am forgiven. I can live in freedom. I can have peace. 
And I believe you rose again from the dead. And because you rose again from the dead, I can have life like never before. And so, Jesus, I want to make you not just the savior of my soul, but the leader of my life. So that what you say goes. Have you ever made that decision? And then to take the step to say, because I believe that, I want to be baptized into you. Next week, it looks like we have about three people who are going to be getting baptized at our Christmas Eve service. And I wonder, I wonder if you need to be the fourth, or the fifth, or the sixth, or the, oh my goodness, double digits, ten? Do you need to make that decision? We're going to have a tub right over here set up, and during the service, we're going to do baptisms, and I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Here's how you do it. You talk to somebody on our guide team, they're going to have a blue hoodie on. Say, I got questions about baptism. They'll help you. You can fill out a form in our app. Just download our app. It's a connect form. There's a box there that says, I want to get baptized. Mark that box. We're going to be in touch with you and set things up. Even if you're going to be out of town next week, change your plans and get here. But even if you can't do that, because you already bought the plane ticket or whatever, still mark that box, and we want to help you get baptized in the new year. But today's the day.